0: This is Carla Jack Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. Enchanas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Q. And you're listening to The Score.
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: Hello and welcome along to The Score here on Lisburn's 98FM and Fanger FM with me Michael Clark. Coming up on today's programme. It's been a bad couple of days for Barras boys, Northern Ireland beaten in both their matches. We will get reaction from journalist Keith Bailey on the show today. Will Ian Barraclough get a new contract? Can Northern Ireland still finish third in the group? those questions and more will be answered on this program we'll also be talking about the electric ireland women's irish cup final which takes place tonight one of the managers will be joining us on the show to give us his views and we'll also be joined by cliftonville striker paul o'neill he is back from injury has had a successful surgery and is scoring goals will he be amongst the goals this weekend the reds will be hoping so it's a big match at Solitude. Cliftonville versus Larne first against second. And we'll be hearing the forwards' thoughts towards the end of the show.
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: Yes, hello. Good to be in your company once again. It is The Score. Where else would you be on this time in this place? This is, this is your weekly appointment to come and get your football fix, of all things. Football in this country. We'll be talking about women's football with the Women's Irish Cup final happening tonight. We'll be talking about the men's premiership. We'll be talking about cup competitions. And in just a moment, we'll be talking about the international games, which, if you're a Northern Ireland fan, have not been very kind to us for different reasons. So, uh, more on that in a minute. I just want to say. Wipe a tear from my eye. It's good to be back on social media. So if you want to tweet me again, you can. At mclarkshow. I have stayed on uh, Facebook and Instagram throughout these times. But the people of Twitter put me in jail for a few days. Because apparently I wasn't allowed to tell you that when an image I appeared in beside an international footballer had been edited. And some people thought that footballer who was filtered to look as if they didn't have any hair. I just wanted to let you all know that despite what some supporters were saying online, he actually did have hair and this image was edited. Apparently, Twitter don't like that. So fact checking, not permitted. Fun between friends, not permitted. Twitter, I hope they will be as strict and come down as hard and as fast on all the people who actually just spout hate on the internet, but we will hold our breaths, shall we? Hmm. Anyway, who cares what somebody who works for Twitter thinks? Not me. I do care about football. So let's talk about Northern Ireland, shall we? And it's time to bring on our first guest of the afternoon. He is writer, broadcaster, commentator, sports editor of the County Down Spectator and the Newton Arts Chronicle. He is Keith Bailey.
1: The score with Michael Clark.
2: Well, Keith, uh, first of all, great to have you back on the score thanks Michael it's not necessarily a great time though to be a Northern Ireland fan and and sometimes you know in football it shows you how much things can change within a couple of days and certainly within a result because it felt like up until the Bulgaria game most people had Ian Barclough contract renewal bang on no problem on you go now people are starting to ask questions after that defeat Um, how, how do you process all of this
0: yeah, it's funny you say things can change in in a matter of days. It, it felt like on uh, on Tuesday night things changed in in 15 minutes at half time. Northern Ireland went in at half time one all up against Bulgaria and, and playing well and, and probably could have been more than than one goal up if if they'd taken their chances. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what happened, but they just didn't come out for the second half. I mean, probably more specifically, Bulgaria changed their shape uh, to counter Northern Ireland's threats of a of a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, they countered that very successfully uh, and, and before North Ireland had really come to, to terms with the changes that Bulgaria had made. Bulgaria were 2-1 up and at that stage it was almost too late. Um, it was a lethargic second half display for North um, that they, they never, ever looked at getting back into the game once they went. 2-1 behind, uh, and it was just frustrating to see those two goals go in. Two well-hit strikes, um, great goals on their own right from an attacking perspective, but I suspect that Ian Barcroft would be very frustrated that his players can get out there quicker and close it down and, and stop those shots coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, there's a wider question there um, about, Ian Barraclough's future. Now, we, we all know and we we'll have read and uh, seen a lot that over the last couple of days that this means North Ireland's World Cup chances are over. Now, realistically, you and I and everybody listening mm-hmm. knows that Northern Ireland had no chance of qualifying for the World Cup anyway. That was never really the aim of this campaign. It was more a case of bringing through uh, new young players into the team, refreshing the squad after after the disappointment of not qualifying for the European Championships. And building towards a place where Northern Ireland could have a, a, a fair attempt at qualifying for Euro 2024. Euro 2024, of course, it's a, a 24 team competition. There's a much better chance of qualifying for that than there is of qualifying for a World Cup. So, this campaign it isn't really about these results, it's maybe more about building for, for what's to come. Um, and I think you can see that there's been progress made. You can see that. We have brought three good players. Conor Bradley, you know, uh, looks like an excellent prospect right back. Dan Ballard maybe made a couple of mistakes this week, but, you know, in, in, on the balance of things is a is a top young player. Shane Labry, we all know how good he can be, um, certainly if you're an Irish League fan. And below that, there's another layer of of guys in the under-21s like Alfie McCalmont and Ethan Galbraith that you hope will come through into course.
2: There are so um, the many. Of- There's so many opinions on this, Keith. Because you're right. You're right to sort of point out some of the positives, but people are looking at it and saying, you know, to that point, yes, there is a real chance of qualifying for the next World Cup. So should we not be reading the warning signs here? The winnable games we're losing.
0: Well, this is the thing, and this is the other side of it. Um, the second tier of that is, do we actually have the right management team to take us forward and give us the best chance possible? of of qualifying for Euro twenty twenty-four and, and that is a much less straightforward question. Yes, there's positives there, but there's also been some really poor performances. Um the results have not been great. Northern have, have won three of, of eighteen under Ian Barclay for four if you count penalty shit out, that's always one that's up for debate. There's only one kind of ninety minutes competitive win in there. And that came again away to a a disappointing, uh, poor Lithuania team, or certainly who played poorly on the night. So there's not a lot there to get excited about. So the IFA, you know, obviously going into this, this uh, international break, the general consensus was, the belief was that the IFA would offer Ian Barakoff a new contract, um, and that he would be the man to take us into the, the Nations League in the Euro 2024 campaign. People are now, now starting to to doubt that um, off the back of the Bulgaria result. I suspect uh, what happens against Lithuania in Belfast um, in November and, and against Italy will be will be very important. Um, I, I suspect if Ian Barakov gets a win against Lithuania, that may well be enough to secure the contract um, for him going into the new campaign. But I think if North Ireland were to draw or to lose that game, and, and let's just assume that Italy will Italy will probably be because that's you would expect them to. I mean, they're just a world-class team. Um, you know, if we we find that Northern Ireland finish bottom of the group or a poor fourth in the group with only one win in that campaign, then it becomes it actually becomes very, very difficult to to justify giving the embark of a new contract. So I sense that an awful lot will ride on Lithuania's visit to Belfast next month.
2: There are so many different ways you can slice this, and I want to be fair to Ian Barraclough. I'm sure he would probably point out, certainly anyone in the you know pro-Barraclough camp would point out, he has seldom, if ever, had a full squad to draw upon, and Northern Ireland isn't blessed with the riches of other nations. Should there be more sympathy there, some might ask?
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's a very fair point. You know, he has had a lot of bad luck. He has had a number of injuries. Um and, and when North Ireland lose two or three players, that's a huge blow. Um, you know, I think Shane Larry's loss was maybe the most crucial of them all for this one because he, he was such a big part of the good performance at home to Switzerland. Uh in Belfast with his pace and getting in behind. Uh, we were denied that in, in Geneva and, and in Sofia and I think that's, you know, it could have made a real difference. The obvious one, again, is Johnny Evans, um, who's been missing for most of this campaign. But then, you know, Johnny's coming to an age where he may well decide to retire at the end of this campaign, or, you know, even if he doesn't, there's always going to be a possibility he's going to miss games through injury. So we probably need to be thinking post-Johnny Evans, if that makes sense. Um, I think uh, dealing without him is something we just kind of have to come to terms with, because he's, he's clearly towards the end of his career rather than, than uh, in the middle of it. Um, yeah, th- there's definitely excuses that you can, can make, but one thing I would say is I think both the Bulgaria home game, which is nil-nil draw, and then the 2-1 defeat uh, in Sofia, the players that were on the pitch and were in that squad were good enough to win that game, both of those games, yet we came away with, with one point from six. Um, so there's excuses can be made, but I think those excuses only go so far.
2: It is always the frustrating thing in football as a supporter watching a match like that unfold, isn't it? Because the first half, I had some people saying we played well in the first half. I had some people tweeting me saying we were rubbish for the whole game. We were just more rubbish in the second half. So you can't please all of the people, as we well know. But there were ample opportunities to be more than a goal ahead going into the break. It isn't the manager's fault that the players can't tap the ball over a line.
0: Yeah, of course. Um there were chances missed, um individual chances were missed, individual mistakes were made. Um and you can't necessarily blame the manager for that. In fact of course you can't blame the manager for that. But um, you know, listen, I think that you know, you get this argument that's made where it's like well, what do you expect? North Ireland just don't have a top goal scorer. Um, but I think that the best Northern Ireland teams over the years, whether that's under Billy Bingham going back a long time or Michael O'Neill, those teams didn't necessarily have a, a top class centre forward, but they found ways to score goals. Um, and they found, and if they did score a goal as North Ireland did, um, of course, in Bulgaria on Tuesday night, they were able to hold on to it and win 1-0. You know, we're not, you know, we're not keeping clean sheets and we're not, you know making ourselves dangerous from say set pieces you know set pieces under michael o'neill were a really big part of it you had Garth mccauley would be a regular goal scorer from from corner kicks and free kicks from from chris brunt and oliver norwood deliveries like we don't have that now um uh, i mean jordan thompson's free kick at the end god that was uh that would have reduced you to tears uh putting <laughs> in our set pieces during the the match uh, weren't much better um, now you may say that's just a lack of personnel, No don't have the the quality, but you you'd like to think that's something that could be worked on um, to produce to produce genuine threats because at the moment we don't possess that, and I think if you look at like the history of good New Ireland teams, set pieces were were something that we we did well with.
2: And of course, we lost our set piece coach.
0: Yeah, of course, and and that's uh, and Austin McPhee, that's. Uh, that was a blow, and I think we've already seen the impact he's had at Aston Villa. So he he obviously had something um that that we're missing. Um, so yeah, listen, it's a it's a difficult decision on the horizon for the IFA. I don't think it's straightforward at all. Some people will tell you Ian Barlow has to get a new contract, and you'll see other fans you'll be demanding them for him to be removed. I just don't think the answer is straightforward. I'm not, if anything, I'm glad I'm not in the position of the the IFA bigwigs making that call. Um. Because, you know, if we say it right on the, the Lithuania game, well, you know, Lithu- Lithuania are a poor team. You could you could well beat them, and it doesn't necessarily mean an awful lot. Um, if, if you lose or draw to them, I think it it's probably, I think the manager will be in a, a fairly sticky situation.
2: Those 15 minutes are the ones, you know, in Sofia, the halftime break, people are going to just try and imagine what on earth happened because as much as you can criticise, and the players do deserve a bit of criticism uh, a fair bit of criticism I think for their performance in Sofia which was just bang average, particularly in the second half, was really really poor. One of the few times I've felt disappointed by Northern Ireland in the way that I felt disappointed You know, obviously nobody likes to lose an important game but to feel like we deserve to lose is never a nice feeling and I, I thought after the second half Northern Ireland did deserve to lose because they completely disappeared how did that happen, and where was the in-game management, if there was any?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you you need to ask Ian Barakloff that. I mean, I, to me, it it was a case of Bulgaria reacted to what we did in the first half, and we weren't able to to counter that. Um, and the changes didn't make an awful lot of difference. It felt like when we went two one down, the, the heads dropped, and uh, it seemed like there was no way back from that point. It was it was fairly disappointing to watch. Um, I think we've become accustomed to North Ireland. I'm not saying they didn't give it their all, but like you could always see that the, the effort levels that were there even on bad nights. And it, it didn't feel like that on, on Tuesday, and that's probably unfair. I think maybe the, the flat atmosphere in the stadium with, with next to no fans there and just the whole thing in the rain and Sophia, it was just a kind of. A fairly miserable, flat experience. And I think when we went behind, we found it very difficult to to lift ourselves um, and create our own tempo.
2: Yeah, it was lacking a spark in more ways than one. We haven't even spoken about Geneva. Um, How do we ever process games against Switzerland and bonkers refereeing decisions? Because, you know, if we thought we had a complex after the last time it happened, my goodness, do we ever now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just a terrible decision. It's um, and, and it was clear what happened. Clearly, you know, Northern Ireland were maybe were maybe pushing it a little bit and slowing the game down to try and you know stifle Switzerland and, and catch their breath or or whatever it happens to be. And, and Jamal Lewis was probably feeding into that. But but. You know, obviously the referee's thought process is here. Northern Ireland are, are time-wasting. I'm going to you know, stop that by booking a player, and that'll speed them up. And he clearly just hasn't clocked the fact that he'd already booked Jamalius. You could tell by the expression on his, his face. The body language give everything away. He got the yellow card out, and within a, se- within a second, there were two or three Swiss players around telling him, you've already booked him. And at that point, there's no way back. And that was the end of it. It was just poor refereeing, rank poor refereeing. Um, there, there was no direct warning to Jamal Lewis to, to hurry up or, or to speed things along. Um, it, it was just, it was just really poor, and it, it put Newland in an impossible position. And they were doing reasonably well up to that point. Um, and with a bit of luck, maybe they would have hung on for a nil-nil draw. Or, you know, you never know what happens in football. Maybe you would have sneaked one on one-one-nil. But listen, if we're being completely honest, I do think that's so were the better team. Before the red-collared, um, you know, they had a goal that was disallowed for a very narrow offside in the first few minutes. Uh, and I suspect that they would have found a way through and won anyway, even with 11 men, although we'll never really know the answer to that.
2: No, and then it was a stoppage time goal, either half as well, which is just you know adds to your frustration because you think at 10 men, if you can get into the break, honours even, but it wasn't to be the case. And, and that is where, you know, you look throughout this campaign and you think, wouldn't it be amazing to have a, a a bit of luck, a modicum of luck, you know, something to bounce in off somebody's knee? A goal we don't deserve, a decision in our favour, and um, you know, Ian Barclough will probably be sitting scratching his head, thinking, you know, the 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 odds or the maybe the the gods of fortune are against me here.
0: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I suppose a bulgar- a Bulgarian might say that Northern Ireland got a bit of luck with the the goal on on Tuesday night. I'm not sure I'd necessarily agree with that. I think, that but- our players did the right thing and playing with the whistle, and uh, it was clearly onside, and it probably should have been aired uh, onside on the on the pitch without the use of VAR. But I, I mean, it's just the red card in Geneva is just—it's frustrating because it's so freakish. You know, you you see wrong decisions in football at every level, every weekend of the season, and you kind of you come to terms with them. But that is so unique and so rare that it just makes it uh, all the more frustrating. And the fact that it happened against Switzerland, a team who already benefited from a massive chunk of uh, good fortune slash poor refereeing uh, against us in, in 2017, just makes it all the more difficult to accept. I don't think, uh, I think Northern Ireland would rather not uh, be drawn with Switzerland again anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And, you know, now, as soon as it was, you know, full time in Switzerland, well, if we could finish third, very much became the tune, didn't it? And now Northern Ireland sit fourth in the group and there's a fear that they won't finish third. I mean, how damning would finishing fourth be and and how, how likely is it that that's where they'll end up?
0: I mean, I think we need to, uh, let's not say accept, because there's still two games to go at Windsor Park, but I think the odds are against us in terms of finishing third. I think we need to to probably brace ourselves for that fourth-place finish, and hey, if Lithuania win in Belfast, then it could be even worse than that. Um, Yeah, certainly a fourth-place finish is disappointing. I'm not necessarily sure if we should have the notion that if Ian Barakloff finishes third, he keeps his job, and if he finishes fourth, he, he shouldn't keep his job, because that... Puts you uh, at the peril of, you know, making a decision based on on a results that have absolutely nothing to do with North Ireland, which is a little bit a little bit. Old. Um, I think that that fourth is quite likely, uh, and I definitely think that, that you have to say that shows a level of of regression because in the last campaign uh, with a really really difficult group with Germany and Holland in it we finished third and we finished a good third. You know, we, we were, were pushing the top two right until the very end of that campaign. Um, and this campaign, you know, we we're, we're just been nowhere near the level of Italy and Switzerland. And that's probably, you know, that reflects a few things. That reflects the fact that our players have got older. There's been, they haven't been available. Um, there've been a couple of retirements. I guess that's just uh, the way it goes. But, um, you know, like I said at the top, this campaign really is about getting players geared up for 2024 and having a serious push at qualification there because let's not forget that's how northern qualified in, in 2016 and came very close to qualifying for, for the Euros in the summer just passed. I mean it, it's a forgiving format. 23 teams will join Germany, uh, the host nation in the finals. Um, now UEFA haven't unveiled the the particular format for qualification this, but this time, but I, I think it's safe to assume into the top two in each group. will go through. Um, so you know, if you can get yourself placed for the fight for a second place finish, then then you've then you'll be on your way to Germany. And, and like that's not beyond the Rhode Islands capabilities. Um, and maybe even a third place finish might get you a, a playoff, depending on what format you have to go with uh, and how involved the the Nations League is. Um, it's also worth remembering we have the Nations League in advance of of the Euro twenty twenty four qualifiers. You've got four games in June, and that's obviously North under now down to the third tier of that. So those games will be will be winnable games. Um, so there's a good opportunity there in advance of the Euro 2024 qualifiers to actually build a little bit little bit of confidence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think the decision the FA have to make is whether they want to keep faith with the manager and trust him to, to take it into this very, very crucial two-year period or whether they want to look elsewhere. I suspect that will come down to what happens in Belfast next month.
2: It's certainly a big time for the IFA, isn't it? November's going to be a crucial month for Ian Barraclough, if he is, to get his contract extended, and for the powers that be to make that decision, ultimately, they could send a big gesture out now, give him a contract, and then face whatever backlash there might be for what message that suggests. but it certainly would give him stability and allow him to plan for the future. Or do they wait and base it on results? Or or are they going to have additional wisdom that isn't always afforded to the IFA when you ask people on the street their opinions of them? But uh, we'll we'll wait and we'll see. Just because you mentioned the Nations League, I was wondering if you managed to catch the final um, the other night?
0: I did, yeah. Um, Great game. Actually, the Nations League finals were brilliant. Uh, The two semi-finals and the final, quick-fire tournament. Um, and all three games were really, really entertaining. The the semi final between Belgium and France is one of the best games I've seen in uh, this season. I would say, yeah, uh, very enjoyable.
2: Because I feel a little smug. I had I had forgotten it was on, uh, which you know, to <laughs> football fans, how dare you forget about a football match? But I did. I forgot about the final being uh, played uh, the other night, and I I flicked it on on the 64th minute as the long ball came into Oyarzabal. And then he scored, and I thought, well, I'm in for it here. This is going to be great. Benzema scores a couple of minutes later. And then the Mbappe goal, which I'm sure, Keith Bailey, you were sitting in your house going, well, actually, Garcia played the ball there. But everybody else was going, what in the name of goodness is happening here? <laughs> because that, I, you know, I'll sit in the fence a lot of things, but that interpretation of the offside law, it needs to go in the bin, I think. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, I did watch it live, and I, I knew at the time that it was going to be allowed, because that is... I mean, you know, referees can interpret these things slightly differently, but generally, at the elite level, it's that interpretation of when Garcia plays the ball, that becomes a new phase of play, and therefore Mbappe's uh, not offside. But you have to think that, like, Garcia is standing where he is because Mbappe's offside, and he plays the ball because of where Mbappe is. So, you know, one obviously affects the other. The two don't can't coexist uh, or the two coexist they can't they don't uh, exist in bubbles so to sort of clinically say well garcia has touched the ball therefore this is a new phase of play and on onside it doesn't make an awful lot of sense it wouldn't wash uh, in an Irish league game, I don't think on a, a Saturday afternoon, I don't think too many lines men would be brave enough to not flag in that, in that situation. If it was at the, at the Oval or at Mournview park Park. Um, yeah, it's just nuts. And I think that uh, the powers that be the, IFAB should, should take a look, look into it next time that they're, uh, they're, uh, you know, discussing the laws of the game because that's just offside, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Just take that out entirely. They, I'm, um... I just think it's a bit like law. Sometimes people write things down, think it makes sense, and then you see you know, where a loophole can come in because somebody hadn't considered instances like this. And it's not even the first time a goal like this has happened, but because it's a high-profile game, because it's a final, it gets people talking again, and you just can't have a scenario where this happens. I mean, it's happened in the Premier League, Um, was it last season? So I think they need to just look at this and maybe... Leave the laws of the game and stop changing them every year, and, and leaving fans and players completely confused.
0: Yeah, I think maybe there's a, a miss. You know, people think that this is something to do with VAR, or yeah. um, it's a very. Th- it's actually been in for a, a few years, and there's, as there's been similar decisions in the past. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it takes um, into consideration the build-up to the goal and how that actually affects where every player. Defender or attacker is standing on the pitch. Um, you know, I think it just needs to be to be looked at and refined in some way. I'm not somebody who thinks that we should go back to the the old fashioned, you know, if you're offside, you're offside thing, because that led to you know a lot of good goals being chalked off for something that happened way in advance. Uh, you know, there's a balance to be struck, and and that goal falls on the wrong side of it.
2: It was uh, was it Man City against Aston Villa? I'm trying to remember what the goal was now in the Premier League where. You know, we saw an instance of this about, you know, as soon as the defender touches the ball, it's a new phase of play. Uh, Because I was trying to think if Connor Washington might have, you know, people were saying, oh, you would have been offside anyway when he missed a chance in the first half. And I was thinking well, actually hit the defender and came back to him. So I'm not so sure, given how we've seen referees interpret things. But uh, there you go. One for another day, perhaps. But uh, one thing we certainly can say conclusively at the moment is there have been better days to be a Northern Ireland fan. But there have also been worse days. So uh, a bit of perspective probably as we prepare for Lithuania next month. Uh, but for now, Keith Bailey, thank you for coming on to The Score. Thank you.
1: The Score with Michael Clark
2: now, our next guest on the programme is manager Johnny Tuffy. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. He had a, a cup final last weekend, which uh, narrowly didn't go his way. He's hoping to go one better in the big one, the Irish Cup final, which uh, is taking place, Crusader Strikers, against Glen women. Manager Johnny Tuffy, welcome to the programme. Thank you, Michael. Are you having to get used certainly, to saying yeah.
3: that? <laughs> exactly. I was just about to say it. It, 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 certainly, sounds, uh, it certainly sounds a lot different, doesn't it?
2: Now, for anybody that's been uh, living under a rock, it's not like you've hung up the gloves or anything. So you're still turning out for Crusaders, so nobody needs to panic. But um, you know, this is a, a relatively new journey for you. How's it gone so far?
3: Um, thoroughly enjoyable, um, I have to say. Um, you know, my my main focus was obviously um, still as a player. You know, and I'm, I'm fully committed to, to playing at uh, Crusaders in the men's team, and you know, I was asked to take the, the role on as manager till the end of the season. And it's one that I've I've thoroughly enjoyed. You know, I've had the full support of, of Stephen Baxter, um, everyone associated with the the men side of the the club. Um, you know, all the lads have been terrific. You know, there's a lot of buy in from them, you know, checking out on results asking how we're doing, you know, a few of them have watched the game. So it's it's been brilliant. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. Um and as I say the girls have been They've been an absolute privilege to to work with.
2: It's one thing coming into a coaching setup, it's another thing being thrown into the, the manager's hot seat. Um, does anything prepare you for that or is it just learn on the job?
3: Um, it's a little bit of both, um, to be totally honest. You know, I've I've tried to sort of look back and think back on, on managers I've I've played under. You know, how they've dealt with, with situations, how they've handled things in and around the football club. How they deal with people, um, you know, and I think that's probably uh, the biggest factor. Um, you know, getting to know your players, learning um, what different players respond to. Um, you know, some need need the arm around them, some need a, a bit of a kick in the backside, and you know that's that's majorly important. Is, you know, trying to figure that out as, as early as possible. And as I say, the girls have been they've been excellent. They've, they've really bought into what what we're trying to do. Um, and i you know we've seen. They've, they've certainly taken steps forward. Um, by no means are we a finished article, and we're still some way off where where we would like to get to. But we've we've definitely made progress, and, and we're definitely taking taking steps forward.
2: I would imagine last weekend's cup final. whilst well, nobody wants to lose in a final, and definitely not on penalties. I'll try not to talk too much to you about penalties, Johnny, because I'm sure that's still that's still a bit raw. But you know. You must have got encouragement from the performance from your team, Glentor, and were the massive favourites, and you were, you know, moments away from winning that in normal time.
3: Yeah, we were, um, and as I said, you know, we take we take huge pride in, in the performance. Um, you know, every single every single girl that was involved. Um, you know, I asked them to give to give everything, um, to give you know themselves, to give their, the fans, their, their family, um, a performance to be proud of, and and I think we done that. Um, as you say, we didn't, we just didn't do quite enough to get to get over the line. But there's there's huge positives to take from last week. Um, we've we've all watched the game back, um, and we've prepared this week on on one or two little things that that we think we can improve on, and, and we can uh, can help us, um, and it can put us uh, even more on the on the front foot um, on in the in the final tonight.
2: And when you look through, you know, your team as well, there's some really experienced players in there, but some very exciting young players, and um, one that's been catching, you know, headlines, uh, scoring her first international goal recently as well, Emily Wilson. Um, I'm sure you'll be uh, hoping to get her back on the pitch after uh, a few games out.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Anne's is she's a little superstar. Um, she's she's been excellent for us. Um, you know, thoroughly deserved the. The international recognition. Um, I was at Inver Park, you know, and I was I was proud as punch, delighted for her to, to score her first senior international goal. So, you know, Emms is Ems is back in the squad, and um, hopefully she she has a major a major play and in, in the game tomorrow night. Um, as you said, or uh, you know, we're we're blessed with some really experienced players. Um, you know, Julie Nelson, uh, Danielle, um, Lisa Armour, although she's not available, but her experience and and her determination to win games around the squad last Friday night was was excellent. You know it was immense to see she would have given her right arm to be able to play. Unfortunately, she's injured. You know, and you blend that with the, with the younger talent um, that we have coming through that that's in the team. You know, they've played a lot of football, they've gained a lot of experience, um, even though they're young in age. So we've got we've got a good balance there. We've got a good mix, and and as I say, if we can we can combine that all tomorrow night, and we can improve on one or two little aspects that we've. We've highlighted them, and we stand, in, we stand in good stead.
2: And I was reading that it's Crusaders-Strikers' first game at Windsor Park. Uh, you've a bit of experience there, uh, so you'll be able to give them a few pointers about obviously a big pitch, but a big occasion too.
3: Right, I don't think I would have enough time to, to uh, <laughs> tell them about my experiences at Windsor. I've had some terrific days at Windsor, and I've had some, some absolutely horrible ones, so you know, the, the most important thing tomorrow night is um, the girls play the game, not the occasion. You know, it, it, it is massive. I know that. I appreciate that. I've played at Windsor in a cup final, and um, you know, the emotions do run high. It's a special day, um, but the most, the most important thing is wh- when we get into the changing room and we get settled, that, that, that those emotions are put to one side and, and we're fully focused on the game. You know, we've got to go and impact the game. We can't, we can't control what what goes on around that. You've got to be in control of, of what we can control and, and that's what we what we do on the pitch for for the 90 90 odd minutes that the, the game might last
2: you've won the irish cup as a player um people say that you're the irish cup final the first time you reach an irish cup final it kind of goes by in a blur so for any players that are you know in their first irish cup final what what advice can you give them that they they don't get kind of lost in the moment because you know, this is this is the sort of stuff of dreams, isn't it? You want to be in these matches.
3: Absolutely. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was a mind-blowing experience for me. Um, you know, everything that, that happened before we, we arrived at the stadium, um, you know, everybody wants a little bit of your time and, and there's so many people to see and speak to. And, and as I say, you know, you've got to do all that. Um, you, you know, you've got to appreciate what the fans and your and family and friends give behind the scenes. So you've got to appreciate that. and You've got to give a little a little bit back to them. Um, but as I say, once once you enter those doors at, at the National Stadium then it's it's game time. No one no one else matters apart from from you individually and, and you know us as a squad and, and the girls fully you know they're fully aware of that. Um, and, and we'll touch on that again before before the game starts. But as I say we've we've got good experienced players in there and Danielle and Julie and Amy McGivern, uh Chloe Archie Ball's another one, uh, you know, so those girls won't let won't let any distractions, you know, creep in and, and as I say the, the group will be will be fully prepared and fully focused on, on the task at hand.
2: And I was I had Dean Shields on the programme um recently and I was asking him, you know, how do you work with your dad? How do you work with your wife? Um <laughs> is that a fun dynamic?
3: Yeah, it's great. Um you know and, and to be totally honest with you, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate situation. Uh, you know, Danielle's been been coaching for for, you know, going for me, must be 15, 16 years, maybe longer, you know, so she's got a, she's got a wealth of, a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience, uh, you know, she's highly regarded in, in the football in circles in, in this company, so it's, it's been great to, to bounce ideas off her, you know, to, to get advice, um, and, and to get help, to be honest, you know, in, in certain situations, in certain areas of, of little things I need to, you know, develop, Um you know, and, we do have we do have similar philosophies and ideas on the game, so um, that that helps. Um, but you know, it's it, it, it's been it's been good uh, to be to be totally honest with you. It's been a lot more helpful than than anything. So no, I'm very very lucky to have that that experience and, and that help. You know, in the in the house, <laughs> 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 and not having to they'd be going and asking others or you know. But as I say, we've got a good group. You know, and, and I've been lucky as well with the likes of Pick Julie. And, um, you know, there's a, her her experience and her knowledge has been invaluable as well, and, and the staff around me have been have been great. Um, you know, the pounce ideas often get opinions, so no, it, it, it's been it's been good. You know, there's a really really good group there, and, and we're all uh, we're all pulling in the in the same direction.
2: It sounds like if you have the chance, you'd like to stay on.
3: Look, I've been I've been asked that you know a, a number of times over the last. Um, two or three weeks, um probably a, a lot more in the last couple of days after after last night's performance and, and what that gave to us as a group. Um that's that's a decision that'll come, you know, when the when the dust settles. Um as I said first and foremost, you know, I'm still a player um and I won't take I won't take on anything that I can't commit one hundred percent to. You know, the the girls deserve someone that, that can do hundred percent and be fully committed and fully focused. Um so that's that's a uh, conversation I'll sit down and have with, with my wife whenever whenever the tough spot was on, on Friday night.
2: Okay. Uh, just talking about uh playing days, we'll come on to the game at the weekend against Carrick in a moment, but uh Balamina United late drama and you were on the wrong end of it unfortunately from your perspective.
3: Yeah, we were. Um, you know, both teams had both teams had numerous chances last night. Um you know, and uh, if we're totally honest, Balamina... uh you know, we're, we're excellent on the night They've hit us on the the hitters on the counter a couple of times. Um, you know, the second goal was an absolute worldly and, and the the winner in in um in injury time and, and extra time, you know, it was great play from them. You know, they've got us on the break again, but it's it's great play from them, you know, and, and full credit goes to, to David and, and the Balomini squad and, and good luck for the for the next round.
2: The fixtures—I—I I, I don't know how any player has time to do anything at the minute because you know you play the league cup, then you've got a league game at the weekend, then it's the County Antrim Shield quarter-final on Tuesday, uh, which you're involved in as well away to Ballyclare. It—it um, it just seems so frantic at the moment, but maybe it's just been like that the last couple of years in general.
3: Well, I think we got a taste for it um, when we when we came back, you know, for the restart after COVID, um, the amount of games. Uh, and, you know, in a week um, and over the two or three month period, you know, it, it felt like there was hardly any time to train. Um, and I don't, I don't particularly think that the games are, are the issue. Um, you know what? What people don't realize and, and what people probably don't recognize is, you know, bar the teams that have gone, you know, properly full time, you know, all the rest of the players are still working. You know, so it's okay saying, you know, oh, we've got a game Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But boys aren't boys aren't sitting at, at home. Boys aren't going and getting proper recovery sessions. Boys are out working. Boys are out grafting. Boys have you know boys have got families and everything. So you know it's, it is a huge ask. But at the end of the day, it's it's the cards we're held and and you just got to get on with it. You know we're 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 in a privileged position. Um, you know we're paid we're paid well to play a sport that we love. Um, and it's it's part and parcel of the job. And you know you've you've got to you've got to deal with that, and and you've got to get on with it.
2: And, you know, going to Carrick, they, they had a, a difficult time out last weekend, we know, against Linfield. But in general, they've made a brilliant start to the season, so you can't take anything for granted there. Whereas maybe in the past, it would have looked a little, maybe a little easier. I don't mean to be unkind to other managers, but uh, Stuart King has them uh, looking pretty hard to beat.
3: Stuart's done a fantastic job. Um, you know, I, I'd seen firsthand what he'd done at, at Palmbridge when he came in. Um, you know, Stuart's enthusiasm for the game. Um you know, it's it's unquestionable. Um, I think he's built a really good group down there. Um, you know, he's brought some really good experience in back into the squad, and you know, he's he's done a fantastic job. We were down there in pre-season, and and to be totally honest, we got our backsides well and truly So we're under no illusions how difficult how difficult it's going to be on Saturday, um, We we'll have to be at our at our very very best to to get anything out of the game. So you know, we're on as I say, we're under no illusions and. We're fully focused on the job in hand. We'll be we'll be well prepared, well organised, and and we'll be ready for a for a tough day at the office.
2: And just finally, um, the, the County Antrim Shield after the disappointment of the League Cup, you want to get on the the right foot again, and uh, that's an opportunity to to pick up at least one trophy this season. There's lots of big teams still in it, of course, and uh, not to discount Ballyclare, I'm sure. Har Beverland would love to uh, pop up there with something if he could manage it. Um, your old teammate, but. Uh, looking at that one, it's a it's a competition there to be won.
3: It is look every every competition we enter, every game we play, we want to we want to win it. That's the mindset, that's the mentality. Um, it doesn't always happen, um, and it's not for for the one to try it. But listen, Harwell's done a, a great job at Ballyclare. He, another young enthusiastic manager that that learned his trade at Palomino Um, he's gone on now in the management on his on his own, and he's doing a fantastic job. So again, we'll be going to Ballyclare on Tuesday night for a. A really difficult you know it'll be frantic it'll be a tough test and and you know we've got to give Ballyclare the, the respect they deserve and, and that that means us being at our, at our very very best and you know hopefully we can we can get through that one.
2: Well uh, as we've heard it's been a busy period for you an exciting one as well Johnny and I uh, wish you best of luck in the final. Brilliant thanks very much Michael take care.
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: There you go, the thoughts of Crusaders Strikers manager Johnny Tuffy. And we were speaking yesterday to uh, look ahead to tonight's big final, the Women's Irish Cup final, happening at the National Football Stadium at Windsor Park. Crusaders Strikers against Glentoran women, who will come out on top. Glentoran women aiming to do a clean sweep again this year. They did it uh, last time around as well. They're the holders of all the domestic trophies in Northern Ireland. So uh, that gives you an idea of how difficult it will be. But uh, who knows? In football, it went to penalties last week in the County Antrim Cup. Can Crusaders go on better? Or will Torren cap off an impressive campaign with yet another piece of silverware for their collection? And we were talking about Crusaders' men and Carrick Rangers being a difficult place to go to. That isn't necessarily a new phenomenon. It should be pointed out that last season, when Crusaders met Carrick, they did drop five points, Carrick winning at Seaview. Do you remember that game where they had all the snow to brush off the pitch beforehand and Crusaders had all the volunteers down getting the place ready and then Carrick pulled off a big shock. And then, uh, towards the end of the season, wasn't it, at Carrick, it was a one-all draw. So, tip of the hat to previous manager Niall Curry there as well. We'll see how it goes this weekend for Stuart King's men. Now, time for another guest, I think.
1: The score with Michael Clark.
2: I am delighted to welcome this man back onto the programme. He's back on the pitch and back amongst the goals, which is brilliant news for him and his Cliftonville teammates. Paul O'Neill, welcome back onto the score.
4: All right. How are you, Michael? Good. Thanks for having me.
2: No, it's good to talk to you again, and it's good to see you out playing football after a spell out in the sidelines. It's not been an easy few months for you.
4: No, it's been a bit frustrating. but had a wee injury in my knee last year and kind of thought it was just you know, like a tweaked cartilage or what and a, a, bit of, a bit of fluid in it so it took a, a couple of weeks off and it was near the end of the season. So then had another four weeks or so off Uh let my knee recover came back in the pre-season and about three seasons in pulled up again with my knee and I knew it wasn't right so Went, got a, an MRI scan on it and found out it was a torn meniscus. So I had to wait, go see a consultant. Once i seen the consultant and told me that I've needed to have surgery, He then I had to wait on a date for surgery. And I eventually got the surgery on Friday the 13th of August, which <laughs> is... What a date. <laughs> uh, luckily, I'm not too superstitious anyway. So
2: <laughs> Because it's hard oh. enough to get these appointments, uh, you know, in a serious note. So when it comes <sighs> along, you're relieved and someone says to you, by the way, the date this will be happening, Friday the 13th. You must be thinking, <laughs> I, I, no, please not.
4: <laughs> well, that was the early I had and the next ones were in September. So I wanted this this surgery done ASAP so I could get back out on the pits So I was happy enough I forgot it and, and it, the surgery went well. and and it was a, a positive outcome that I thought that so now I'm just trying to strengthen up my, my knee and my legs again, just to, to get back fully, fully fit.
2: And anyone that's ever been injured will tell you, you know, going back onto the pitch, obviously it's a great relief, but it's in your head a wee bit. Has it has it been something you've been wary of, you know, not overdoing it too quickly? Uh,
4: Kind of, About maybe about three weeks after the surgery, I come on against Welders. Mm-hmm for the last 15-20 minutes and to be honest I, I don't think it really held me back I kind of just, I lacked that bit of, bit of match shortness but I wasn't I wasn't wary of going into tackles or anything, it was, it was challenging in 50-50s and it was maybe just that turning and twisting element was a bit because bit I wasn't used to it because I was out the last 8-12 weeks but now that I'm back in training, I'm still managing it and maybe take the odd sizing off if, if my knee flirts up a bit but but I'm still managing it and I'm just I'm just hoping to get more minutes every every week.
2: No, it would have done your confidence the world a good to get a hat-trick against Nock Breda. How good did it feel to get your first goal after a spell out let alone the two that followed it?
4: Yeah, yeah, well my, my first game back it was a bit frustrating because the first 30, 30 35 minutes it was I was playing well but it just the ball well the ball was falling for me and I just couldn't stick it in the net and then right on half time I think Carnegie's come in he's hit a shot that's hit both posts come back out to him he's hit it again it was cleared off a of lane and luckily I was just standing there for for a tap and a yard out and once I got that goal the the next two I was I kind of got my confidence back up again and I came out in the second half and my knee felt good and I felt good and I did score a hat-trick that game. But then after the game, my knee flared up again straight in the 90 minutes. So for the next seven or eight days, I it was, it was back to, back off the pitch again, just doing, doing my own rehab stuff. So it has been a bit frustrating, but obviously coming back and, and scoring my first senior hat-trick and my first start back after injury was was. was a plus for me.
2: I didn't realise that was your first senior hat trick. Congratulations for that as well. A nice milestone, nice moment.
4: Yeah, it was it was a, was hopefully hopefully many more to come.
2: <laughs> Spoken like a true goal scorer. <laughs> uh, your teammates have been flying, Paul. Um, so I'm sure you're delighted for them. Your manager's been named manager of the month too. So congratulations to Paddy McLaughlin, who incidentally was also his birthday and the day he was uh, you know being seen pictured with his new trophy yeah. and all the rest of it. But
4: um, maybe I'd help him out a bit getting the award.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're a brave man. I was going to say no, no. your team doing well obviously is fantastic, but when you're not able to to be a part of it it adds to the frustration too because nobody wants to sit in the sidelines
4: well 100% nobody wants to sit in the sidelines but whenever i am i'm actually I'm really happy that, that the lads are going out and and they're putting in great performances and, and getting the wins because we haven't had we've played some top teams you know glenthorn Limfield and we still haven't been beat yet but it is only the start of the season, and Paddy, the you know Paddy's been a, brilliant with me and brilliant with the team, and he, he's drilled he's drilled it into us that there's it's it's only the start of the season, and and don't be getting carried away with ourselves, which which we're not, but uh hopefully we can just keep up the the, the good performances and and keep picking up the results that that we've been getting
2: and it's a a big game at the weekend uh, you know everybody talks up nearly every match teams are in at the moment because it's such a competitive league you've only played 7 games uh, so far so you know a long way to go but larn a point behind you and um that's the next challenge they're coming to solitude on saturday
4: yeah that's going to be a big another big challenge just as as it is the next week and the week after that and the week after that but we know we know what what way Lauren playing and, and they've been brilliant this year and they get the ball down, and they pop it about, and they move it and it's going to be a tough challenge for us. But we 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 can do the same. We get the ball down and and we pop it about as well. So I think it's going to be a good footballing game and hopefully we can just come out winners on, on the on the Saturday, which I don't see why why we can't if we keep up the performances that we've been putting in.
2: And one thing I'm sure that your manager's very pleased with is, uh, as much as you're worried personally about getting goals and your teammates getting wins, is you're not conceding anywhere near as many it looks. You look a far harder team to beat this year.
4: Yeah, well, it's a big plus. We've brought in Johnny Addis. Jamie Harney's been, been out for a couple of weeks. Johnny Addis has stepped in and he's been absolutely brilliant. I've known him from, from my days at Glen Thorn and always rated him as a is a very good player and once once he made the switch to the Clivenville, I was, I was delighted with that move because I knew he was going to bring in experience and and the, the cool head that he's got and he's been brilliant for us and we we'll still have Gary Breen to come back, brought in Luke Turner from Aberdeen so we've strengthened in that defence department as well as we have in midfield and, and attack so hopefully we can just keep pushing on and, and taking it game by game. and if we can, then you you don't know where it's going to take us.
2: Well, that's very much the thing and, you know, as, as much as uh, people have been looking forward to this game, and understandably so, you've been uh, keeping busy with international duty, away with the under-21s, and as we've already said, having to mind your minutes, but always good to pull on uh, the Northern Ireland top and get out there again, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, 100% it is. It was good to meet up with the lads as well. It's, obviously, it's a, a few new faces from the last campaign, so it's good to get back in and, in and around the lads. And, and it was a good first two games to do it away to Spain and away to Russia. But uh, it was good just to get back on the pitch as well at an international level and test yourself against some of the best young players in the world.
2: It's hard to believe. It came up actually as a memory on, I think it was my Facebook the other day, that it was uh, a year ago, it was probably a year this week, from you got that uh, amazing overhead kick goal against Ukraine.
4: Yeah, yeah, seen that as well. It's just I was hoping I was gonna gonna bear that against Spain at, at the weekend <laughs> there, but
2: didn't work out for me. You become the million pound man very quickly if you start doing that against Spain. <laughs> I know um, some level of opposition as well. You know, you can certainly see the standard in our league, but when you step up and you're playing those international games, I mean the. Just some of the players on show for Spain in particular, and you know, not to take away from Russia, but Spain are just different gravy, or Yeah,
4: yeah. Coming on against Spain, I think was one of the hardest thirty minutes of have football. It was just the way they keep the ball and pop it about. It's, it it just seems like they have so much time in the ball to know where to be, whereas we get the ball and and they're right on us in an instant. We have no time in the ball, and we're, we're trying to keep it, break them and down, and it's just it's it's a whole. Different cattle of face over there, like the way the way they've been playing and the way the football's been drilled into them. You, you can see it. You can see how good they are. There's No baiting about the boost. They were they were obviously the better team, and and we we went in with a game plan, but coming up against the players and the quality that they have, it was just the, the they were able to break us down, and it was a tough game. But fair play, they are last. The, the the they tried their best to to play football and work their way up the pitch and when I come on I've seen that and they give a hundred percent as well the chase everything in the ground and uh unfortunately but they could see three goals but it's like I say you're playing against some of the, the best young players in the world so
2: oh, it was
4: it was a, a tough there's, game
2: there's no there's no disgrace in, in that as well and I mean it's one of these things, you know, people sometimes don't keep as close an eye on under-21 football. And then a couple of years later, you're going, my goodness, how many of these are, are stars of the world stage? And, you know, you even look at a few years back, Arja Sabal scoring a hat trick at Shamrock Park. And then, bang, he's scoring goals at the Euros. He's scoring goals in the Nations <laughs> League final. And I don't think there's anyone that doesn't know about Mikel Arja now. So, um, you know, there's plenty of those players in this current crop as well that you could look through and say, these are just... Some of the world's most exciting young players.
4: Yeah, yeah. Like like I say, that's you're testing yourself against the best young players in the world, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some of them excelling in their in their in their career and seeing where they go. Because already, I think one of the players we were talking about it is there was buy clause is fifteen twenty million or something, and you're playing against players that are playing in the Spanish league week in, week out. For Real Betis and Sevilla and, and you know no disrespect to the Irish League but I'm, I'm getting ready to play against Lauren at the weekend here while them boys are playing against Barcelona so it's it's like I say it's just a different kettle of face and you can see how good and how composed they are on the ball it's it's just an unbelievable experience
2: no I can, can only stand all of you in good stead um, some talented boys in your team as well so not to, to do them a disservice but you're right between you know the, the Portuguese premiership and the, the Spanish top flight um, when you're able to put boys out from from those leagues uh, you know you're on day winner so uh, Spain being good yeah. kind of football is not breaking news on this radio show I suppose um, <laughs> you know Lauren, Lauren at the weekend and then on Tuesday uh, you're in cup action as well I was uh, was talking to uh, one of the other teams involved in the County Antrim Shield quarter final and it's just it's a busy old season isn't it I suppose when you're looking minutes under your belt you're happy about that
4: yeah well I'm happy enough because I'm I'm looking minutes but let's say well we've we've had a a bit of a break anyway Your match against Portadown got got called off so I'm sure the lads are actually buzzing for for Saturday as, as they didn't have a game last Saturday either so yeah it's just it's good for me as well maybe see how Saturday goes and then it's, it's another chance for me to play on Tuesday night in the in the County Antrim Shield and get more minutes under my belt.
2: You footballers are all good at saying you know a game at a time and all the rest of it, but you must have your eye on a wee bit of silverware here.
4: Yeah, well, obviously everyone wants to win silverware and and that's what we're going to be pushing out to do, like mostly every other team. But it it is just a game at a time. We're we're not looking ahead of Lauren on Saturday. We're we're all eyes are focused on Lauren and. And I'm buzzing to actually get back in the in the training tonight with, with Cliftonville after being away for, for a couple of weeks. So um, I'm looking forward to it and uh, all eyes are, are on Lauren on Saturday.
2: Yeah, most certainly are. And just lastly from me, how much um, how much a part of the squad do you feel now? You've been there a little while. It sounds like you're really happy, but um, what are your teammates like? And, and what is what is it like to be a Cliftonville player now that you've, I guess, had your feet under the table for a bit?
4: Yeah, ever since I joined Clymwell the, the lads have welcomed me in and it's been brilliant. Like even even whenever I was injured and stuff, you know, everyone's it's like a it's a family club, you know, everyone's coming in asking how you are. And doing a rehab with Gary Brain and stuff and you know, there there's there's a few boys in doing Rehab as well and, and we've got our teammates out and it is a real family club and, and, and everyone's close together so ever since I've walked in the club, I've I've enjoyed every single minute of it.
2: Well that's great to hear and as I said right at the very top it's fantastic to see you back out on the pitch and playing again because uh, no one wants to see a player injured Paul so fair play to you getting through it all and uh, the Friday the 13th experience was a good one so (laughs) (laughs) if we've learned anything today throw superstitions in the bin folks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Good to have you on. Paul O'Neill.
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: We are almost at the end of the programme time. Uh, ticking away on us quickly, David Healy. He is taking Linfield to Milltown this weekend. Six years in the job, and that was where he took charge of his very first Linfield match. So that's quite fitting. That is uh, one of the three o'clock games, as is uh, the match you just heard about. Cliftonville against Larne. Glenavon take on Dungannon. Swift's Portadown welcome Ballymena United to Shamrock Park and at the Lockshore Hotel Arena. We heard from Johnny Tuffy earlier in the programme. Crusaders are the visitors to carrick rangers at half five another enticing game it'll be streamed live on the bbc glentoran take on Cole rain and don't forget tonight friday night live on the irish football association's youtube and their facebook page you can watch the women's irish cup final a big game taking place between crusaders strikers and glentoran women who will get their name on the trophy Tune in and find out in the company of myself and Ashley Hutton. Busy day, folks. But uh, I'm relishing it. I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully you'll be along with us for it. That's all. We are out of time. Time I make my way down the road, I suppose. But whatever you're doing in the next couple of days, all that's left for me to say to you is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.